0: More than ever, banking needs leadership, and in the time of COVID-19 and beyond, banking especially needs female leadership. Here today on a special episode of Bankadelic, four women leaders in financial services talking about what it takes to move ahead, above, and beyond. From the studios of Karma Productions Worldwide in Chicago, this is Lou Carlozo's Bankadelic. Bankadelic, the colorful side of finance where we supply expert views, riff on the news, innovate and investigate actionable insights, unscripted banking with a caffeine kick. I'm your host, Lou Carloso, inviting you to sit back, grab a cuppa, kick up your feet. Here we go. Thanks for tuning in to another episode of Bankadelic, an especially special episode something I have wanted to do as a podcaster for a long, long time. Today we are presenting the first of two parts, a panel of four women leaders in financial services talking about the elements that are sometimes overlooked and need to be lifted up to promote leadership that matters and makes a difference. And who better to take the reins today than a woman leader Someone who's making a name for herself as a social media guru, an organizer of projects, and an all-around whiz at what she does. Jenny Elman, the producer of Bankadelic, is going to handle the hosting chores today. And now, without further ado, here's Jenny.
1: Thank you for giving me this amazing opportunity to moderate these four fantastic women. I'm Jenny Elman, producer here at Bankadelic. We are so excited that we are doing this today highlighting how certain characteristics and qualities that are generally deemed female are lifting up the banking and financial industries. We're going to do a quick roll call. We welcome Jill Homan, president at Deep Target.
2: Good afternoon.
1: Kim Snyder, founder and CEO of Claravis. Good afternoon. Kathleen Craig, founder and CEO of HT Mobile Apps. Hi, thanks for having me. And Lena McDermid, CEO and co-founder of Artist Technologies. Hi everybody. Ladies, welcome. Thank you so much for being here. Jill, the first time we spoke to you on Bankadelic, you focused on the power of empathy in the industry. It is now our most popular episode and it is obviously resonating. Why do you think empathy resonates so much?
2: Yeah, I don't like to stereotype, but I do think there are qualities that perhaps specific genders are more gifted with. And I think empathy is perhaps one of those that many on this panel do possess that specific gift. To define it, it's an appreciation for someone else's journey, right? And it doesn't mean that you agree with that person, but you're really willing to dig into their perspective. For my personal journey, it's an enabler I've found to remove obstacles so teams are more productive. I think it also allows employees to feel safer, not afraid to ask for help or try new things and fail. So it's an investment for sure. I think people who have either experienced it or have experienced the opposite of it and have hungered for it, we all fall into those categories, right? And so that's why I think it resonates.
3: This is Kathleen. I'm happy to jump in. In addition to the qualities women bring, it's also the perspective, right? The more diverse we can make our industry, the better we can serve a wider array of customers in the markets that we serve as an industry. I know when we're doing end user studies, right, a woman thinking about her family and her perspective and her role versus a man, right, it's just different. They might be thinking about financial products differently. So
2: having women in leadership to bring that perspective is important. Kathleen, I think that's a great point. And another big one that jumped out to me was creativity. Most people stay within the lines, and either it's the lines that have been arbitrarily drawn at some point, or they're lines that are just out there and they're really outdated, not imposed on us by others, but we place them on ourselves. Women leaders that have risen to the level of the panelists have, I think, a special ability to be creative and just ignore those lines. They're doing some incredible things in the banking industry, driving innovation that's really outside of expectations. So I want to throw that out there and just see, do you guys feel that way as well? Jill,
4: this is Kim. I think you've touched on something pretty interesting with that comment. As a CFO background, right, I've never considered myself a creative person, but creativity, the way you've just defined it, speaks very clearly to the journey that I've had landing me where I'm at today. And so I look at it really more from not accepting the norm and being willing to look outside those lines and push some boundaries from time to time, as long as we push them in the right way two items that I think have served me well. One is my listening capabilities, listening to our employees, listening to our customers. Really, that kind of goes hand in hand, in my opinion, with the empathy. And then the other thing for me has been my passion. I've never been afraid of sharing my passion. I think sometimes females can do that and they do that in a better way.
1: I personally loved everything you all are saying and it's definitely resonating with me. And it's still on the table, the question if anybody else would like to jump in.
5: Yeah, I would love to. This is Lena, piggybacking off what has been said by Jill and Kathleen and Kim. Women are traditionally communal in nature, and so that can show up in our creativity with how we decide to innovate and build teams, businesses, products, as well as how we figure out the sticky conversations that need to happen with our employees, whether male or female, and kind of getting into those uncomfortable conversations has a tendency to be more aligned with women traditionally, because we're problem solvers by nature, we're teachers, the way we have been grown or groomed, it helps us kind of navigate these difficult conversations that are so critical right now, as we are trying to uncover all the unconscious and conscious biases in the workplaces. I think it absolutely is a necessary quality and skill set for leaders to kind of be able to be empathetic, be creative, but also be a bit more comfortable having really uncomfortable conversations with compassion.
1: Because of all of these wonderful qualities and humanity that you're all bringing to your positions in your industry, have you seen any sort of challenges because of these qualities and like, how have you used them to get to your leadership positions where you are today?
2: This is Jill. just reflecting on it, for me personally, it's that boundary thing, and it's really the self-imposed ones that are influenced by expectations, right? I had a quote on my desk, and this is a little-known inventor probably to most of you. His name is Charles Kettering, and he invented the ignition for automobiles. And he said, all human development, no matter what form it takes, must be outside the rules. Otherwise, we never have anything new. By nature, I am a rule follower and a people pleaser. So one of the challenges I've had has been to learn that sometimes both of these boundaries really need to be removed within context, as Kim said, you know, being creative about when is the right time to do that.
5: This is Lena, sort of a, what I call a recovering perfectionist. And people pleaser, because I was also raised that way where you followed the rules. When you didn't, you traditionally got in trouble. And so you kind of learn quickly to fear punishment or fear getting, you know, in trouble. That makes you really great in school. It makes your parents happy, but it's not very successful in the boardroom. It's not really successful as you compete and climb the ladder. And so Having to learn that you don't always have to ask permission and that you have to give yourself permission. I probably had the largest boundaries while they're imposed on myself. Did other people help and enjoy my boundaries as well? Sure. But most of them were my self-made rules and restrictions that I had to get comfortable letting go. And that was a comfort that I had to put down and be afraid to look vulnerable and kind of break the rules, quote unquote. I'm doing air quotes. (laughs) And that was almost the challenge in and of itself. There weren't a lot of mentors. It's like, hey, let's talk about how to, you know, not follow the rules and that that's okay. Those books weren't available in my 20s and early 30s. You sort of have to do it your way.
3: Absolutely. This is Kathleen. Lena, I love what you just said. I was raised the exact opposite, but it's been interesting the pressure I got in my early career to conform. So I'm the daughter of an entrepreneur who raised me that, you know, if I worked hard enough, I could be president someday. I could do anything. So when I got in the workplace, that's the approach I took. I can do anything. I can have any job. I wrote my first job description for the first banking job I had, right? And I just thought I'd break down walls and do what I wanted. And then very quickly, Culturally, in my bank, they tried to put me back in that box, right? And they tried to kind of go, Whoa, 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 kiddo, you haven't earned your stripes, right? What are you doing? So it was an interesting journey for me to listen to them somewhat, to make sure I was professional and respectful. And I did all those things, but also stay true to my own voice and willingness to excel and break the rules. And that was difficult because as women, we do want to be liked. Right. And that was an interesting journey for me to find my own path and what works for me and what fits with me.
5: And I think too, you made a good point. This is Lena again, like you get kind of told what the boxes are. And when I started my career, my parents too were entrepreneurs, my grandmothers were, but it looked different. Their boxes looked different than when I showed up in the banking and financial services industry. Mm -hmm. They cared about things differently. Like I remember my first job, it's like, hey, you have to wear pantyhose, you can't show your shoulders we had all of these outfit requirements. Nobody was talking about the work I was going to do. They were more concerned with what I was going to wear to work. And that was shocking to me. And that was strange. And that became this new like paradigm where, am I supposed to follow this? Am I supposed to be offended by this? I don't understand why this matters so much. It was just strange little new boxes that I found. And so then rule following is what you were supposed to do to get promoted. That was that balance of like, when can I say no thank you without having my career impacted or getting some sort of write-up in an early career? It's hard to be brave, right, when you're in your first career.
4: Lena, I appreciate that so much because believe it or not, in 2005 when I went to my first bank job, the first thing that I did as chief financial officer was get rid of the pantyhose requirement. <laughs> I was like, this is the yes. state. <laughs> I was a part of that at my place, too. We had to Me, too. Out. I did that at my place.
5: Oh, at a prior place.
1: Ladies, I'm loving all of these answers. What really resonated with me, too, is the feeling of wanting to be liked, even when it comes to emails with an exclamation point versus a period, so you don't come off as too strong or not nice. How do you overcome that? And how has that helped you get to where you are today?
3: Jenny, I love that question. This is Kathleen again. I actually read an article about how many smiley faces and exclamation points and just women put in emails about six months ago. And I made myself stop. It was really hard. I still do it on Slack and in internal emails, but I stopped doing it, especially to VCs or executives at banks that I work with. And it was interesting, the different tone I got back. It really did make a different, I don't know if it was me projecting just a more serious conversation or if it really did change the tone, but I'm glad I did it and took some of that out. This is lean. I'd love to
5: join in on this. I did the same thing, Kathleen. Like I recognized I would have these conversations over email, internal or external. And then sometimes I would have a friend more than likely male kind of reread because I sometimes do, Hey, give me a second pair of eyes. And my great friends would come in and say, you need your tone is too soft. And they would quickly write it differently. And I'm like, how do you know how to do that? And so I read an article that said the justs and the exclamation points and the smiley faces were traditionally female and it conveys a different level of whatever on the other side. Internally, I think it's great. It kind of brings levity and all of that, but it does make the message sound different and I now write with a different prescription because of how I need it to kind of come across. And it was always me trying to write it friendly. I always wanted to sound friendly. It softened my delivery sometimes to my detriment.
1: So what do you find to be the most rewarding and exciting elements of your work? And how do you try to make a difference in what you do?
5: This is Lena. I'm a builder by nature. So what I'm loving now is building in a company and a team with people that really want to be there. Culture was first, almost before we really figured out everything else because we had all come from backgrounds in the financial businesses, in banks, in hedge funds, in different roles, but all kind of closely related. We left because of the way that, you know, we all felt. And at the end of the day, you want to feel good about where you're spending so much time. And so being able to build that now with people that are committed to that makes me excited. And it gives me hope that we can do it or continue to do it really well. And I'd love to be an example, you know, top place to work. And based on the way that the culture feels and that people you know, feel cared for and important, in addition to building and do what we do in our normal job, I love kind of having the correct culture being fit. That would probably be my most proud takeaway.
4: I love that. This is Kim, so I would say I'm a builder also, and just the pride in seeing my vision and my team's vision start to come to life is really exciting for me. The rewarding part so far for me in my journey is the fact that so many of my banking colleagues that worked with me at my bank previously, they left other full-time jobs and came to start this business with me. I couldn't be happier coming to work with the group of people that I'm coming to work with on a daily basis, and then the new folks that we're bringing to our team, they're bringing lots of different perspectives. And like you, Lena, we jump with culture first and and we're really trying to build something unique here. I would say from a rewarding standpoint, the the team that I'm building, I'm very proud of. I go to bed at night and I'm very thankful for the leap that everybody's taken, you know, on my journey with me.
2: Kim, this is Jill. I absolutely love that. And I've experienced that. I say I work with just the most wonderful team ever. We're a small team but we have a really trust-centric organization. And I think you know one of the things we, especially in the banking industry, we view ourselves with a mission of being servant leaders and being transformative in that space. And when you see a group of people come together, like you're describing, Kim, it's humbling, but it's incredibly exciting, right? And that particular thing you're talking about, it fuels me. And it also motivates me to really invest in myself to be the best me and then invest in them and enable them to be the best them. And then the results follow, right? When you can do that. But I love that. Absolutely. Just to
3: piggyback on what everyone's saying, I know some of your teams and I know this is true of your companies too. I think that for me working in my bank, I was always frustrated with the makeup of the executive table and really just the makeup of the entire bank. And I've been really proud of the opportunity from an age, diversity, women, we're still small, but the way that we're inherently building our team and bringing diversity into the industry, I think is awesome and something I'm really proud of and is rewarding for me.
0: Jill Holman, president of Deep Target, Kim Snyder, founder and CEO of Clarvis, Kathleen Craig, founder and CEO of HT Mobile Apps, and Lena McDermott, COO and co founder of Artist Technologies, will be back for part two of our special podcast series on women in banking. You can find Jill, Kim, Kathleen, and Lena on LinkedIn. Bankadelic. Quantic is the adaptive digital bank that offers entrepreneurs, immigrants, millennials, low-income families, seniors, and others innovative banking products and services which embrace the diversity of circumstances that exist in the lives of customers while elevating their financial strength. For more information, visit QuanticBank.com. That's Q-U-O-N-T-I-C-Bank.com. And now lose views, or I should say this week, Jenny's views, because Jenny, you not only did a great job with the podcast today, I would imagine that as a female entrepreneur, you heard a lot that moved you and inspired you. What were your takeaways from the podcast that you want to amplify for yourself and for other women and even men who were listening in?
1: Well, first of all, Lou, I just wanna say thank you for having me, this opportunity has been amazing. I really loved the way that each woman acknowledged the other responses. And they would say, oh, like I love what you just said, that was great, and then move into it and build upon it or converse, you may get an opposing view on it, but still acknowledge that woman was heard, that woman was listened to, that woman was a part of the conversation, and then they can continue moving forward. And I think that that's an interesting way to really put empathy into place.
0: Listening is important. It's sort of an underrated skill. Bottom lines, customer acquisition, these are things that are constantly talked about. Listening isn't, but we really did get a sense today that that is so important.
1: Right. And it also creates a space for people to be innovative and make new processes and find ways to build a team and strengthen the overall workplace. So I understand why those things aren't always talked about, but I also understand why they absolutely should be talked about.
0: And we will talk about having you on to host at another point. Want to thank you again for bringing us in hosting and taking us home great job.
1: Lou, thank you so much.
0: Thanks for tuning in to Bankadelic. We hope you join us next time and check back in the weeks ahead as we build our podcast vault. Thanks again to the William Mills Agency for their generous sponsorship. Thanks also to Quantic. I'm Lou Carlozo. You can catch me on LinkedIn. And when I'm all done, those Chicago dogs, I'll be linked out. Until next time, so long. Bangadelic is a production of Karma Productions Worldwide, Chicago.